Hail and well met, everybody. Welcome to Geek Thyself, a show by nerds, for nerds, who love geeking out over random facts and esoteric trivia. My name is Heather. I'm Russell. And we'll be your hosts for this journey through the wondrous land of information. Hi, guys. <laughs> uh, welcome to this week's episode of Geek Thyself. Hi, everyone. Sorry, we're a week um, late. Things, you know, life... Yeah. Life. <laughs> uh, specifically time zones, um, because obviously, as we've made it very clear, Heather and I are on, are on different continents, mm-hmm. and your country, or thing, yeah, likes to put their clocks forward two weeks before ours. Yeah, it messed uh, with our timing a little. Yeah, because obviously we've, we've said before that we tend to record after work, which is fine, but... It's very much later after work for Heather's side. Mm-hmm. It's, I just, I'm the one holding things up. So when you know we're sitting down to record at, and I mean holding things up in in a in a in in a in a non-aggressive way or whatever. Right. It's not like you have a choice. You have work. Work no, is important. No. Yeah. I have bills. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, either way. Uh, yeah. So yeah. But like, I, like you settle down to record at like midnight at half eleven. It, it is currently eleven forty-five p.m. for me. Yes. Yeah, so think about if we were in that time where, you know, you're an hour ahead, suddenly you're settling down to record at nearly one in the morning, mm-hmm. and that's a bit awkward. Yeah, it's a it doesn't work well when I have to get up for work the next morning. No. Yeah. Although, to be fair, there are now more talks, more and more talks about the USA not going back when the clocks go back in October. Yeah, yeah, this is... This is completely off topic for what our subject yeah, is this week, but that's okay. Um, so what they recently did is recently it was voted on by one of the houses. I don't remember if it was, I think it was the Senate, voted unanimously to get rid of daylight savings time. So yeah. now it's what, if it passes in in the full, in both houses, in Congress and in the Senate, then the idea would be that the country as a whole no longer has like mandatory daylight savings time. And basically each individual state can decide if they want to use it or not. Now there's pluses and minuses to this. The plus side is that a lot of people who hate daylight savings time, myself included, because it gets confusing, (laughs) we'll no longer have to deal with daylight savings time. The downside for anyone who's not familiar with the geography of the United States is there are 50 of the states, 51 if you include Puerto Rico, and more than that if you include some of our territories. Each individual state with this law would have the right to choose whether they're instituting daylight savings time or not. What this means, though... They could fall into five different time zones because there's only four... There's already four for the for the for the size of the USA. Yes, and then there'd be the extra one for the extra hour if they elected into it, or or not. So that oh my. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. And also technically six because were... they could go in either direction. I think right. Well, okay, no, they couldn't go backwards at once. Well, and it wouldn't be at the same time. Yeah, yeah. There are six possible. Five yeah, opinions. yeah. Because yeah. for anyone who's not aware of it, the United States already spans four time zones. Because we, the yeah. main continental U.S. has three: East Coast, yeah. Central, and Pacific time. And then on top of that, Hawaii and Alaska are in their own separate time zone. Yeah, like yeah. they're too far to they're too far west, so they're in their own time zone. So mm. we already have four that we deal with. Yeah. So going. 
like I could start traveling to the East Coast. I live on the West Coast. I could start traveling to the East Coast of the United States at 8 o'clock in the morning. And it's like a five-hour trip. And you'd land at 9. I'd, I'd land at, well, I'd land at like 10. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh... it's, it's really effed up. So now imagine on top of that, throwing in the fact that certain states might choose to do daylight savings time and certain ones won't, Whoa. which means then, depending on where I'm flying on the East Coast, I'll either land at 10, 9, or 11, depending on what point of the year I'm at. Oh, amazing. Also, it's not going to change anything with how other countries are going to affect their clocks. No. So everything's going to be pulled out of sync yeah. with the USA. It's, th- there's th- there's pluses and minuses. But yeah, it. I suspect, because most people hate daylight savings time. So I suspect that as a whole, most states are going to choose not to use it. Mm-hmm. However, any states that do, it's going to suck. The other thing is too... Um, for anyone who's more familiar with like, um, I mean, I'm assuming our audience is probably, it's going to be English speaking countries because neither of us is fluent enough in anything else. But, um, in terms of layout of the United States, these 50 states, like, because our country is so big, none of us think anything of like driving across state lines on a daily basis, Like, my husband has to travel from California to Nevada for work sometimes. He's had to go up to Washington a couple states up, and he's had to go to Oregon the next state up. I have myself have, you know, traveled to the East Coast with him to visit his family in Maine. Like, going to other states isn't a big deal. And, like, California happens to be one of the biggest states, the one I live in. So half the time we don't leave our state because it's just so big you don't have to. But I've definitely traveled to other states as a kid and everything, and it's it's just it's just a thing like you just cross state lines it's no big deal but now now if this happens and some states are implementing daylight savings time and some aren't every time you cross a state line you're going to have to remember whether or not you have to start using daylight savings time to figure out what time it is i mean pe- business people who travel for meetings to other states like this is going to be insane if a bunch of states choose to keep it and others don't it's going to be nuts like, in theory, I like the idea of the states getting to choose, but oh my god, the headaches. I, I can only imagine the headaches that this is going to cause for some people. People are going to show up early and late for meetings all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be terrible. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> awesome. That's just, this conversation has just made me think we should absolutely do an episode on Daylight Savings Time. And how much it sucks. And how much it sucks. Yeah. Uh but that isn't the episode <laughs> of today. Although you'd be, although you'd be forgiven to think for thinking so, because you know we're really good at staying on topic. But that's uh-huh. right. Look, if you're new here, we don't stay on topic, and nope. if you're old here, you already know that. Yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah. anyway, no, our actual topic is another March theme one, and this is really out of our wheelhouse wheelhouse yeah uh, yeah this is definitely like, not something that we normally would discuss it's a no, it's a sports ball topic it is a sports ball topic but um it is specifically or at least colloquially colloquially hmm. colloquially that one. there we go that word it's a little uh, bit of a tongue is, twister yeah yeah it is uh, it is called march madness mm-hmm. and we are still just about in march yep just so. at the tail end 
just at the tail end. Although I'm pretty sure March Madness is still happening. So it is. Know. Generally, the last game is um, towards the end of March or like the very beginning of April, depending on where the days of the week fall. Sure, that makes sense. Um, so yeah, n- not our topic, not something we'd know super a lot about but we looked into it and there are a lot of fun sort of stats to go over so we're gonna mm-hmm. cover something a little different this week um so march madness mm-hmm. i have heard about it <laughs> which probably says quite a bit because like i've heard about like the bigger sports tournaments yeah like, i know what the super bowl is kind of i've heard of march madness it's a huge thing uh, yeah and uh, there was there's one other that I have heard of, but I can't remember it right now. Uh. Yeah, so um, I don't know. Like, obviously, I have no way to know what it's like in other countries. Mm-hmm. Um, here in the United States, uh, a lot of people become very, very attached to their college sports teams. Yes, uh, that's something I wasn't entirely sure of, but until I looked, uh, we did a little bit of looking into it. So yeah, these are all college level basketball uh-huh. teams, yes. as far as I, I can figure out. Yeah, it's college level basketball teams. Um, specifically, it is the sixty eight top basketball teams in the NCAA college division, um, Division One, I, I believe, which is the top division. So basically, yes. it's like. The best of the best of the college basketball players. Um, there's a lot of reasons why this is huge, huge deal across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm probably not going to be talking so much about the stats, but I can tell you what it's like to have to live with March Madness, especially Absolutely. as not a sports person. That's fair. Also, <laughs> is this why sports sponsorships and like scholarships are such a big thing? Because... Like, if you can get it onto a decent team, you're probably going to be... Scouted? Have an easier time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, okay. It's one of them. See, that That's just not a thing over here. Like, that kind of level of comp- competitiveness. Like, it exists, but it would be between, like, one university and another, maybe. And there wouldn't be something yeah. between that many different teams and that many different colleges. Yeah, so there's... There's usually, like, in my experience, having gone to college in the United States, and also my father was a college professor, there's usually, like, one or two other colleges that are kind of considered your your college's quote-unquote rival. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. sometimes these rivalries are actually, like, big rivalries between the two schools, and they're, like, constantly competing. And sometimes it's more of, like, kind of a, just a tongue-in-cheek thing. Like, it's kind of there, but no one really pays attention to it. Yeah. Um, two examples of sort of the extremes that I can give you is um, over on the East Coast, there's Princeton and Yale. Okay. Princeton and Yale uh, have a longstanding rivalry with each other. It's like a known rivalry. Like people who went to Yale will make comments about Princeton and back and forth. And Harvard's another one too. It's like all three of them really. But um, okay. yeah, so there's like rivalries between those three those three colleges and you know people will be like oh i'm a harvard man oh i'm a yale man oh i'm a princeton man like it's it's ridiculous i mean they're all ivy league schools i feel like some of the ivy league schools probably are a little more competitive with each other because they're competing for the same level of student yeah that would make sense i could understand i can understand that concept so it kind of makes sense but there's things like that um where they're you know constantly butting heads with each other and um 
to the point where like sometimes people will be like oh you went to harvard oh you went to yale like it's stupid but people do it and then on the other side of things um there's like there's a quote-unquote rivalry between my alma mater uc davis and um sacramento state university in sacramento which is there's a stretch of freeway where i lit where between the two called the colloquially it's called the causeway it actually has a name but honestly i couldn't even tell you what it is everyone calls it the causeway it's it's basically this stretch of freeway that goes over some marshland near davis that is protected and so the causeway goes over it and it's a choke point between the two cities it's one of the only ways to get from one to the other, but it's a choke point where two fi- two different freeways meet. And so there's always traffic. It's always awful. And it's called the Causeway. And one of the big, like, football games that happens throughout the year is the Causeway Classic. And it's this, like, traditional rivalry-type game between UC Davis and Sac State. Now, most of the time, people don't give a, a whatever that you went to UC Davis or Sac State. It is what it, it is. Matter. Like my yeah. brother took some classes at Sac State and then transferred to UC Davis. Like no one cares. But just once a year, sure. the teams clash. <laughs> once a year. Once a year it's a thing and you should like get all up in the business of somebody else. And and, it, it's, and it's just like a sport like event like to generalize mm-hmm. sort of, you know. Yeah. Just, it's just a tradition. Just generals, yeah. It's like a good natured competition. So yeah, yeah, yeah. there's there's no actual like aggression right. after it and all that kind of Right. Like, there's there's varying levels of competition between United States colleges. Um sure, and sure, like sure. I said, there's some rivalries where it's like actually a rivalry. Like legit people from one college might not like you if you said you went to another college. Now those people have yes. issues and they're not the norm. <laughs> they're not the norm. But they exist. Um, I mean people that I mean, we as nerds should know that there are definitely people who take things really seriously. Yes, 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 yes. This is true. So, like, as as nerds, like, there are Doctor Who fans who are very aggressive with their love of mm-hmm. Doctor Who. But also then there are Star Wars fans who hate everything that is a Star Wars fan, including themselves. But, yeah, so yeah. I can totally understand that there are some people who get that into it. Yeah, there definitely sure. are. Um, but that's, like, a thing here in the United States. Mm-hmm. Like, having... Um, rabid fandom for your college teams is not uncommon um especially amongst like certain areas like teams that schools that are known to have like a good football team or a good basketball team or something like that it's not uncommon for people who went to that school to then be like very supportive of whatever sport team it is that that school's known for sure um, whether that's football, basketball, baseball, it doesn't matter. Um, it's it's a common theme. Um, and like you were saying, there's a lot of competition from even the high school level to get into, like, sometimes there's competition to get into a high school that has a good sports program because you want to get into that good sports cr- program in high school so that you get scouted to go into the right college. Because if you get into the right college and can get into the right division and be seen by the right scouts, you then have the better potential to be scouted for a major league team of some kind like it's a thing over here it's a thing <laughs> so like this is a thing like you're working on as far as like from your like when you're a young teenager kind of mm-hmm. thing. well and then That's... from the college perspective it's also important to try to bring those really good players to your college because a lot oh, of yeah. times one of the ways the colleges get money is from donors 
from alumni who donate money to the college. And there is a percentage of alumni who are more willing to donate money to a college, if they're, you know, their alma mater, if it's doing well in something. So like if if you have a good sports team, for example, it's sometimes easier to drum up interest in your alumni to donate back to the school. Sure. Okay. So it's there's incentive both ways. Like the kids want to be going to the right school so that they get seen and get the right training because it improves their chances mm-hmm. of getting into a major league team if that's what their end goal is. Or sometimes they just want to get to a good school because if they can get there because they're good enough, they can get a scholarship and get a good education. Um, sure. Because from the school perspective, they will sometimes offer like full rides and scholarships, especially to kids who are really talented, but from lower income families in order to get that talent to their school to help their that, school uh, win. And then, you know, those people who are who can't afford college otherwise are going to put a lot of effort into exactly trying to get on those teams. So I could definitely see how it becomes a big thing, but that only wouldn't matter because of how big this particular tournament well i mean yeah sports tournaments in general but yeah march madness with the ncaa is definitely one of the biggest ones the most well known if people go crazy (laughs) yeah um so yeah a couple little small facts and then we'll go into our mid-roll because you know that's that's how we do this thing uh first uh tournament was played in 1939 so it's coming up fairly soon on 90, like 85 years very soon, and mm-hmm. then almost 100, which is wild. Uh, and the first one only had eight teams, which is quite fun. And then in 1951, it doubled to 16, and then kept expanding uh, the next few decades until it, it was format, uh, until it formally became 64 in 1985. And then in 2001, after uh, the Mountain West Confederate joined Davison, uh, Division One, sorry, and received an automatic bid, uh, pushing the total teams to sixty-five. A single game was added to the prior to the first round, and then in twenty eleven, three more teams were added, uh, and with them, three more uh, games uh, were added to the first four. Mm-hmm. So, uh, if I go to that bit, which I was going to look at, yeah, um, the way it's broken down. Uh, into the teams is the tournament teams include uh, champions uh, from uh, from thirty two division one conferences. So those those teams are the best of last year's, and those are automatically given a spot in the in the following year, which makes sense. Yeah. And then thirty six teams, which are awarded at large berths. Um. So. Uh, so and then they so yeah they can earn places to be into there. Like outside of being just in the top bracket, which is similar to how snooker works as well. <laughs> uh, which I know a bit more about snooker, but that's kind of thing. And then um, each team is then seeded within its uh, region, and that within that region is between one and sixteen, so it's broken down into four regions. And then mm-hmm. every match is a single elimination match, <coughs> and then it cuts down and down and down until uh, the final. Yep, uh, and it starts. Um... It starts at the beginning of March, if I'm correct, if I'm remembering correctly. It's middle of March. Um, I think yeah. it's varied a little with the exact start date. This year it started on March 15th. That was the first four teams that played. 
And then um, they got into the first round, which is a lot more games. And then um, when they get to the point of the 16, they start calling it the Sweet 16. Yeah. And then there's the Uh, Elite 8. Yeah. And then the Final 4. And then the Champions. Mm Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, so it goes from the first four to the first round, the round of 64, and then 32, and then 60, yeah. So basically every single round cuts down and down and down. And the only ones that don't play in the first four are the ones specifically with 16 uh, members in that seed only. Mm-hmm. Um, so, because apparently that can happen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and... Another fun fact is that the most titles have been won by the the UCLA, yep, which is the University of California. It is. It's the University of California, Los Angeles. Specifically. Yep, specifically. Um, oh wow. Yeah, I think I I'm trying to remember. I think a couple of my mom's cousins went there. Okay. Yeah. So, sixty-eight teams all cutting down until yeah. And then, like, so about half of the teams are automatically seeded, and then the other ones qualify in a tournament that's before this one, uh, which I remember reading. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, and. Where was it? I don't know. And there's definitely. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. It's called the NIT, which is the National Invitation Tournament. Mm hmm. So uh, and that's the thing that goes on before to get people who wouldn't be automatically seeded. There we go. Yeah. And then there's there's definitely certain teams that are sort of favorites every year. Um, any of the teams who've won multiple titles are definitely considered ones that are likely to make it at least to the Sweet 16, even if they don't make it past that. It depends, sure. you know, year to year. Um, UCLA didn't make it past the Sweet 16 this year, for an example. They were close. Like they, the other team didn't score ridiculous amounts of points more than them, but um, you know they have the most titles. But this year they just didn't have a good enough team to get past. And then there's universities like Duke, um, yeah, Duke University, who uh, is tied with Indiana University for fourth place in terms of number of titles. They both have five, but like they've made it to the final four this year. Okay, so but yeah. Uh, I can definitely see, like, them rallying behind those at once, but I could also imagine them rallying behind underdogs as well if they ever came into the, that kind of area, because it's mm-hmm. single elimination, so there's not much really in it. So. No, I mean, there's definitely a chance for a team that hasn't won a ton of titles before to come up and surprise everybody. Um, but definitely I would say the teams that get to the Sweet 16 and above get the most attention. Um, it's not uncommon also for people to start making betting brackets. <laughs> oh, that doesn't surprise me at all. Like, if there's any kind of competition where outcomes are, like, unlikely or whatever, mm-hmm. that then, of course, there's going to be uh, place, places where people yeah. are going to yeah. bet on those chances. No, and it's sure. anyone who, like, a lot of people who are interested in sports, like I said, become very invested in their college teams. And so there's a lot of people who get really, really invested in the different teams from all the colleges around the country, especially those that are known for having really, really good basketball teams. It becomes like a thing. That's fair. We were going to go to mid-roll, huh? <laughs> Oops. 
No, no, no. I, that's fine. I was just letting you finish. For yeah, no, we're going to go into the mirror all anyway. Uh, we've got a, few, a couple more stats to go uh, over when we're on the other side. And yeah, then we'll then then we'll wrap up. But you know, at some reasonable time, we say as a lie. I know. We never do. Which we, anyway, we try. We tr- I mean, we try, but it, we we'll see. Anyway, uh, we will be back in just a minute, guys. Hi everyone, and welcome to this week's mid roll. Hello. Alrighty, so like usual, I'm gonna talk uh, start off by talking about World Anvil. For anyone who hasn't checked it out yet, you should definitely check out WorldAnvil.com. They are an amazing website that contains software to do world development, campaign management. Um, fleshing out your world as an author, fleshing out your world as a game master. Either way, they have amazing features for both. There's map features, there's features like a wiki where you can link different characters to each other. There's ways that you can put a map together and then link characters to the map and locations to the map and things like that. Definitely recommend you check it out. It's free to sign up and get your base membership, which already gives you a ton of great features. And then if you really like it and you want some of the more advanced features, you just have to upgrade your membership and pay the monthly fee, which is not a ton, honestly. It's worldanvil.com and we definitely recommend you check it out. All right. Uh, yes, we absolutely love the, the fine folks at World Anvil. Other people we love uh, just as much are the fine folks at Castle Die Hard at dieharddice.com. DieHardDice.com have been around for many, uh, many years now, and they've been very kind and supported us for uh, quite mm-hmm. a quite a significant amount of time during that time, uh, during that during that tenure. Uh, words. Anyway, uh, as the name suggests, they have all kinds of dice. They have metal dice and polymer dice and acrylic dice and amazing dice sets. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, oh, and a tarot deck. Of dice. Oh, oh yes, and tarot deck. Uh, so yeah, like they've got great accessories like the tarot deck, and then they have the scroll of rolling, which we've talked about many, many times now. Uh, the little uh, me- metal meeple uh, tokens for tabletop uh, tabletop games. Um, they have their multi-class D20s, which split apart and have little magnets inside, so you can have two different sides of the D20s, and they're still balanced while they're doing that, which is really, really cool. Uh, mm-hmm. Their dice look uh, amazing and gorgeous, and they've used the molds that they created uh, for themselves to make their own unique style. Uh, and if you want to perhaps you know look at stuff and maybe buy some things, you can use the code Nerdsmith22 <laughs> to get ten percent off your first or your next order with them. And they have free shipping domestically for you fine US folks and discounted shipping for anywhere else in the world. We love them very, very much. And we'll sh- we'll show you will find something that you like over at Castle Diehard at diehardice.com. Alright, so with all that being said, we're going to go back into talking about March Madness. Uh, and yeah, we will see you in just a, just a, a brief second to the power of editing. <laughs> Okay. Welcome so, back. Welcome back. Yes. So we've already talked a little bit about um, uh, some of the basic sort of stuff we're going through. Uh, we've talked about how long it's been running, the teams, and how it all breaks down. Uh, so now, what was the next bit I was looking? Oh yeah, I remember mentioning uh, the national invitation tournament uh, is a separate thing, and then that was actually founded slightly before. Uh, the D 
the March Madness uh, uh, NCAA tournament, but it never became quite as popular. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. and then we have oh, who has scored the most points within the NCAA tournament? Um, obviously, most players are only play for about three years, uh, as you know, it's a college, as it's a a, a college uh, sport event, so. It'd be weird if they were around for much longer. Oh, four years. Three, four. Our college is four years. Oh, some of them play for. Th- okay, most of them are on here for three, but yeah, your it's, college. Is it's four probably years. because they weren't on the team as freshmen. Oh yeah, yeah. They probably that, didn't. That, that, they probably didn't play in the tournament as freshmen. It would. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, unless they were like amazing, it would be unlikely that they would be able to outclass their upperclassmen. That's yeah. That's that's really that's fair. Uh, so yeah, uh, we have the. Uh, there's only nine players who have ever scored more than three hundred points in the the NCAA tournament. I don't know the scoring for basketball, so I don't know if that's a lot. So well, I assume it's a lot because only nine people have got it. it but I don't know. Is it like is it three hundred scores or? No, not usually. So to give you an idea, currently. Um, so we've we've hit a snag that I don't understand how basketball works. Um, yeah. So basketball is there's you can make different amounts of points depending on where you shoot the ball from. Um, now for anyone who actually plays a lot of basketball, please don't come for me. This is not my sport. (laughs) I know baseball better, but I I know the basics. So most of the time, you score two points when you make a basket. Okay. There are certain parts of the court that are far enough away that you can actually score three if you make it in because you're past what they call the free throw line. Um, Which is the center court. Which is a a cutoff. It's not, but it's a, it's a cutoff point. (laughs) So it's not quite the center, but I think it's, I think it's past the three. Oh, geez. Now I need to look at basketball rules. Sorry guys. Um, No, no, that's fine. (laughs) This is uh, this is you know uh, because I had to ask a question. So yeah, yeah. So um, there's there's so, five players on a on a team on the court. Yes. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> I found a graphic that reminds. Oh yeah. Yes. So there's a three point area. Right. Okay. Yeah. So the there's a free point a free blah blah blah. blah. I can't talk. There's a point where Neither if you I, if you throw the ball from beyond it, they call it the three point line. Then you get three points because you're past it. Most of the right, time sure. you get two. When you're yep. most places on the court, because most of the time you're trying to get close to the basket to score. And then yeah, you can get a single point from a free throw. So there's certain penalties and things. Okay, kind of like in, oh, yeah. in oh. soccer. Um, yeah, like a penalty know, shot. Yeah, there's a penalty shot in soccer or football, as you call it over there in Europe, which honestly makes more sense. And well, um, you're playing it with foot. You're playing it. Uh, it's a ball with a foot. I know. I think, I think it makes more sense. But also, my dad was British. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah, you, you um, might be biased. I'm so, I'm okay. slightly biased. Uh, so uh, if you make a basket from the three the free throw line, if you got a penalty shot, that's only worth one point. Because nobody can interfere with the shot. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, at least that is all of my my that is my understanding. If I got some of that wrong, well, okay, they can't interfere until they've thrown it. Correct. 
Yeah. Now, that's my understanding from what I know of basketball. So sure. it's not it's not necessarily easy to make like into the triple digits on points. It is possible, especially if you have like a really good team and a team that's not so great. But it's not common. Um, to give you an idea, uh, I don't want to read through all of them, but I'll just read look uh, read through the scores from the Elite Eight. So the most sure. recent four matches, the final four haven't played their last their matches yet, and we don't have the championship match scheduled yet because we don't know who's going to win the final four. Yeah, cool. Um, for anyone who cares, the final four is set to play on Saturday, April second. Okay. Um, the two teams are it's Villanova versus Kansas, and UNC, which is the University of North Carolina versus Duke. Um, so Duke would be the favorite. In that matchup, probably, yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so the um, the Elite Eight, we had Miami, one of uh, Miami University versus Kansas. Kansas won 76 to 50. Um, okay. The next one was Houston, University of Houston versus Villanova. Villanova won 50 to 44. Okay. Um. St. Peter's University versus UNC. UNC won 69-49. And then Arkansas versus Duke. Duke won 78-69. So keep in mind, these are, you know, these are like the top teams of the college teams in the country. So these teams are fairly evenly matched, especially when you get to this point. So it makes sense that their scores would be at least somewhat within, you know, a reasonable range of each other. But even well, in the so. even in the very first rounds of the tournament, um, some of the biggest differences I'm seeing are like eighty-two to sixty-eight, eighty-eight to fifty-six. Like n- nothing where you're talking about trip. Okay, here's one ninety-five to sixty-three. That's that's not great. Um, <laughs> that, that's a rough game. That's a rough game. <laughs> that one was rough. Um, there, the team that lost was also going up against UNC and. UNC's in the final four, so eh. yeah, yeah, yeah. you know stuff like that. Ninety-seven to sixty-two. That's that one's ouch a little too. Um, but yeah, so it's not impossible to score into the triple digits. I wouldn't say it's common, um, especially when you have two teams that are fairly well paced against each other. Um, so uh, three hundred points is a lot. Basically, that's a yeah. lot. So, yeah, uh, but okay, so these 300 points are specifically scored by individuals. Uh, yeah, which and, uh, also makes it even yeah. crazier because what that means is that they played, what that means is that they played probably a lot. Like they were probably on the floor a lot. And it also means their teams probably went fairly far, if not winning. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The, those years they played because otherwise there's no way they themselves considering how quickly they change out players yeah, yeah, depending yeah. on how tired they get because they're constantly running so um depending on how often that team was changing out their players to keep everybody fresh they it would have been very hard for them to score like if they only played a couple of games like their teams must have done pretty well yeah uh, there are there are actually the stats for this. It's a nice little table, so I'm going to go over them. Uh, we have the lowest person in the list is uh, Corliss Williamson with 303 points, and they were playing for uh, Arkansas or Arkansas, as I would say. Arkansas. 
Uh, it says Arkansas. Anyway, uh, they, were, they were playing between 93 and 95. They played 15 games and they had a point per game average of 20.2. That's pretty good. So that, yeah. Uh, and then uh, 303 again uh, for Bill Bradley from Princeton from uh, 1963 to 65. They are higher because they only played in nine games. So their uh, point per game average is 33.7. Uh, so yeah, they are the highest point uh, point game average on the list, though. So and then you've got uh, three hundred and four with Lou Alcindor, Alcindor, and uh, UC, uh, UCLA, sixty seven to sixty nine, twelve games, and twenty five point three points per game. Uh, then Glenn Rice with three hundred and eight from Michigan, in between eighty six and eighty nine, thirteen games, twenty three point seven. Uh, then Oscar Robertson uh, has 324 points, so it's a bit of a jump from Cincinnati between 58 and 60, and played only 10 games, so they have a score of 32.4. Uh, Tyler Hals- Hasborough, Hasborough? Maybe. Uh, has 325 points from North Carolina between 2006 and 2009, 17 games, so quite a few. And had an average of 19.1, which is the second lowest, but we'll get to that one in just a sec. Then we've got 328 for Danny Manning in Kansas. Actually, Kansas, not our Kansas. Mm-hmm. Uh, between 85 and 88, 16 games and 20.5 point per game. Uh, number, uh, number two is 358 with Elvin Hayes from Houston between 66 and 68, 13 games. And 27.5 points per game, averagely. And then the the top is 407 with Christian Leitner. L-A-E-T-T-N-E-R. Leitner, maybe. And they are from Duke. Uh, from Duke. And they played between 89 and 92. They played in the most games, so 23, which is why they also have the lowest points per game at 17.7. Mm-hmm. But they still scored over 400 points in their in their career. Yeah, which is a lot. Yeah. And then there's also a list for some of the, the highest sport scoring games, which has 264 for... Uh, uh, Loyola Mayor Marymount, and then, uh, and they scored one hundred forty nine points, and Michigan were the losing team, and they scored one hundred fifteen, and so yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I mean, that's oh. that's a lot of points, but also not that big a spread. Like they, yeah, yeah. Uh, they they, the biggest spread with they're actually all fairly close um or at least there's no like total blowouts mm-hmm. that's what i mean like the lowest score was san francisco with 95 points to unlv which i'm assuming is las vegas uh that would, yeah university had, of nevada las vegas yeah uh, and then they had 121 points. So they were up about 25, which is the biggest sort of difference between the lot. I'd say that's still pretty good. And and then, okay, then there's another list of individuals who scored the most points in a game. Uh, and then that is 
the the highest on that is 61 with uh, Austin Carr who scored uh, who did that in 1970 and then Bill Bradley Oscar Robertson Austin Carr is on it three times <laughs> oh no no never mind four uh, yeah they they scored the most points four times in the top 10 single scoring performances at hmm. 61 52 52 and then 47 so that's pretty wild okay uh, there's a lot of other sort of tables so I'm just trying to pick out some you know some that I actually can understand there's so many statistics there's so many statistics and people make such a huge deal out of trying to figure out who's going to win and people who do you know like betting brackets and stuff with it it's it's a big deal there was actually a kid at my high school who ran a march madness bracket everyone could oh, yeah. everyone could buy in for five bucks i think it was five bucks i never did it so i don't know for 100 percent. but i think he did it for like five bucks and he would give you a paper and you had to give it back to him and it had your name and stuff on it and then he would go so th- he would give you, you could a write down your predictions and stuff. Yeah. He would give you a copy so that you could keep track yourself too, but he kept the original so that no one could cheat. Um or he took pictures of it. I'm not sure. He did something so that no one could cheat. Yeah, yeah. And like he had do a it different. Um but he he like hardcore kept track of it and he had like wow. he knew the odds from the different teams based off of what the like actual odds are. Like in sports that's, that's discussions, amazing. and it was insane. I, I, and he would. I don't remember. I think he might have won his own bracket at least once, but I don't know. I like. I never kept track of who was winning or not, but it was a thing. It was a yeah, big sure. thing. Every like he, you'd see him passing out his uh, bracket papers for the tournament for people to fill in, like in classes for weeks before it started. <laughs> It was insane. And all of the teachers sure. just kind of looked the other way because no one cared. But Well, I mean, hey, if he's putting the effort into it, he's, he's going to make a bit of money doing it. Mm-hmm. Hey, good on him. Good on him. So, yeah. Uh, the last kind of one just to cover is just like the most like games one, not not like championships one. Uh, although, and it's Kentucky with 129 and then 126 North Carolina, 114 Duke. 108 Kansas, 101 UCLA, and then it drops straight down to 69 with Michigan. <laughs> uh, and then Indiana with 66, 64 Syracuse? Syracuse. Syracuse, okay. 61 uh, Louisville, and then 61 again Villia, Villanova. The, so, yeah, Villanova. Yeah, goes, yeah. So yeah, it goes from 120s down to 100, and then straight through the city. Well, I mean, down to 60. I, I don't know about all of them. I'd have to read the list again. But some of those schools that you listed off that have the like highest number of games played are also some older <laughs> universities that had established sports teams. So they probably have been playing in the tournament longer than some. That's probably fair. But so yeah, like those five are in like a decent like bracket of like having, you know, a decent team for every <laughs> year for it. I'm gonna guess. Yeah, right, so. yeah, and it's. I mean, if for anyone who's never heard of March Madness, like you can look it up online, and the amount of articles and things that you'll that pop up, it's insane over here. Um, yeah. It's basic. It basically takes over the country if you pay attention to sports at all, for for all of March and um. 
like I was saying earlier, I think it's partly a thing because I think part of the reason it's so big is because there are people, a lot of people over here in the United States who get very, very invested in their college teams. Mm-hmm. Um, it's someone, I forget who it was. I had, was talking with someone and they had made a comment actually about how, um, or they had read something about someone commenting that California is weird as a state because in Cal- okay. in Cal- well because in California people actually will like wear shirts that say California will get clothing and things that say like I'm a Californian I'm from California and that kind of thing we actually have like state pride and a lot of other states not all of them but a lot of other states don't have that to the same degree instead people will wear shirts and caps and things for their universities so, like, you'll see people wearing a, you know, Miami, Florida University T-shirt or sweatshirt. Yeah. But yeah. you won't see them wearing one that just says California. Or just, it won't just that's say. A fair point. It won't yeah, just say right. Florida, like, with the state symbol. It's, like, actually just a, you know, a college one. It's a thing. Yeah, no. Um, but that being said, people rep their colleges all the time. I still have UC Davis Aggies sweatshirts. And stuff. My mom still has a stuffed black and white cow that's wearing a t-shirt that says somebody at UC Davis loves me. Like. <laughs> Fair enough. There's a lot of college uh, support over here. And so people from all over the country get very invested in March Madness because no matter where you are in the country, no matter what college you went to in the country, there's probably a college from near you or from near where you went that is in March Madness because they go across the country. So, like, even if there's only one in your state, people will then support that one that's in their state because, hey, it's local boys kind of thing. It's a big deal. Gotcha. I was just reading through, like, some of the, like, most appearances list and that kind of thing. And it was striking me as really odd that, like, they were all ending in 2019. And then I thought, wait, no, 2020 (laughs) 2020 never happened. Yeah, 2020 March Madness did not happen. It was canceled for obvious reasons. It did happen in 2021. Yes, uh, it happened with all the games being played in Indiana. Yeah, they they kept Um, things more... Normally, they don't do that. Normally, they're, you know, traveling and they're going state to state and everything. But they wanted to try to minimize the chances of people getting sick. So they kept everybody Absolutely. secluded and sequestered into one area. So, yeah, no, uh, yeah, it just says here, it's like the first and only time that a tournament has been hosted in, in its entirely by one state. <clears throat> so, yeah, mm-hmm. I was really confused. Like, as I was looking, it's like, why have all these really great teams not, like, been played since 2019? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what happened in 2020? I can't remember. <laughs> it's a blur. I wish I, I wish I couldn't remember. Yeah. Uh... All right. Uh, well, that's about as much detail as I think we, as people who don't understand the sports ball, can get into. <coughs> I would agree. I most of my input has been more of like what the experience is here when you're dealing with March Madness. Well, I mean, I've just been looking at stats and stuff, which is, you know, like the kind of thing that I'm I'm into as a nerd. I like looking at numbers. Numbers yeah. is, is my thing. I, I think numbers are interesting. I just not, not sports numbers so much. I don't understand all of the statistics, so it's not as entertaining for me. But, That's fair. Um, but, but I like talking about life experiences. <laughs> life experiences are fun. Uh, I like uh, snooker quite a bit, and snooker's a very... It's a very, it's a very numbers heavy game. It's a very numbers heavy game. So, uh, 
I'm trying to remember. Snooker is similar to pool. Yes. Similar. I know it's not the same. No, 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 it's not. So pool would be like where you've got your stripes and your spikes. Mm -hmm. And then you go down the table until you get to the eight ball. Yeah. Snooker, there's a lot more balls for one thing and the table's much larger. The table's... I'm going to have to look it up now. Uh, size right so uh, the the official tournament snooker table measures 11 feet uh, by 5 foot 10 that's really big yeah it's a massive table I'm only uh, 5 feet tall that's really big so you would be less than the size of the smaller width of the table mm-hmm. Yeah, by a good um, good chunk Five foot ten, yeah, yeah. Um, so there, there are fifteen red balls, which are all worth one point, and then there are six other colours, which all go up in value. The game goes on by you put a red, and then you can put a colour, and then back and forth, and then once all the reds are gone, you work your way up through the colours, uh, in ascending order, all the way up until the black, which is the the seven. So. Uh, it's a there's a lot more planning that goes into it because you have to alternate between the between the things like because obviously in pool you can just part any of your assigned before the black mm-hmm. um, and the most you can score in one break which a break would be uh, a single table visit is a hundred and forty seven points so yeah we should we should do an episode of snooker. I'd be fine with that. I have yeah. never played snooker. I have played pool. I am not great at. Have, I'm not great at pool, but I've I, played it. <laughs> I've never played snooker. Uh, snooker is definitely something I watch and enjoy. I would not be good at. It. <laughs> like I can. I'm. I'm okay at pool occasionally. Sometimes I feel like I'm alright, but snooker is. It's it's amazing to watch good people play it. Mm-hmm. I would not have fun playing it. That's how I feel about most types of sports. Yeah, that's fair. I think it's amazing to watch someone have the skill to do that. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't do it. <laughs> uh, I, I never got to see them play, but my granddad, um, who passed away before I was born, was a champion snooker player. Mm. Uh, not like world champion or anything like that. but Just like uh, local. Yeah, uh, not local. Uh, one like event, but not anything like, like the world championship. Right. Uh, and my mum could also play. She doesn't play now, but she could, uh, and she's the reason I'm now into it. And uh, basically, the world tournament comes around every April, so it's very oh, close. hey, I'm very excited. Yeah, um, and it lasts for about two weeks. And uh, it like I said, the seeding is very similar to. Uh, how it would work in March Madness, except it's and um, professional players who the top 16 automatically get in and then everybody else has to compete for the next 32 spaces. So That makes sense. And yeah, I mean, especially if it's happening in April, we should definitely talk about snooker. You know, that's a really good point. Uh, yeah, I might talk, <laughs> yeah, we're going to do an episode of snooker. We're going to do it because I love snooker. It's a great game. Um, and I don't I know about snooker, that, but I'm happy to learn. Yeah, uh, it's not energetic. And it's not fast-paced. So I could certainly get why it's not for everyone. Uh, it's definitely more of a thinking kind of sport. But there's still a lot of endurance that goes into it. Because uh, every frame can take, what, 10 to 15 to 20 minutes. And there are, in a match, there are up to, what, 35 frames. Oh, jeez, that's a long game. Oh, yeah, yeah, it breaks it down into uh, sessions are eight games. So 
it breaks it down over a couple of days. But when you're playing that much over the course of like two weeks, it can really it becomes a really endurance uh, heavy game. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but yeah. So I'm gonna stop talking about this because we can talk about this on the next time mm-hmm. we talk about something. And yeah, we're well over time, like always. I know. Fire. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. Uh, thank you for listening, guys. If you want us to talk about other sports ball in vague vague terms feel free to let us know (laughs) yeah i will Uh, i will say if that's the case i am more familiar with baseball football and soccer than i am with basketball i am 5-1 guess who never got picked for basketball that's yeah that would be fair um so and the uk just doesn't have that kind of staying power people don't care enough (laughs) Okay. i mean it's yeah that, that's about as much as, as i can say anyway so yeah we'll we'll be back in a couple of weeks with i guess an episode on snow girl sounds like it's gonna be great yeah and then maybe after that we'll do an episode on what we were talking about earlier Ta- time changes that's what we were talking yes. about time changes because they suck uh-huh Anyway, <sighs> that's what we're going to wrap up because otherwise we'll, go, we'll keep going on all night and we can't do that we need to sleep at, yeah at some point at some point so thank you for listening and we'll see you later guys bye bye <laughs> thank you for listening to this week's episode of Geek Thyself don't forget to check out all the other amazing content on the Nerdsmith Network if you have any questions for either of us you can get in contact with us on Twitter at geek underscore thyself you can also email us at geek thyself at nerdsmith.org and please don't forget to go to itunes and leave us a review or also go anywhere you listen to your podcasts we'll be back next week with another informative and fun episode and until then don't forget to geek thyself geek thyself